Hmm. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be part of a talent agency? Well, today you're going to find all about it. Welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Desiree Martins. Every week, I'm going to be showing up in your earbuds to inspire you on your YouTube journey with killer interviews with women YouTube creators, deep dives into the inner workings of how YouTube works, and discussing all the things about YouTube culture and the impact it is having on our world. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with VidIQ, where they help you maximize your videos to YouTube reach by studying titles, descriptions, tags, and playlists relevant to your subject matter, while also studying your competitors to help you know exactly what you should be doing for your YouTube growth. So if you're a female creator looking to grow your channel, level up your content, and learn from the best women creators on the platform to get you on your way to YouTube success and future-proofing your income, this is the perfect place for you. Let's do this. What's up? Welcome to the episode of the Women of Video Podcast. I'm so excited to spend this time with you today. Before we dive into this conversation with Joanna Voss, who is a fellow women of in, women in influencer marketing member with me. It's another group that I'm a part of uh, where I'm able to connect with other women influencers and be an influencer and all of the things. Um, I want to make sure that you know about our Women of Video Mastermind. You definitely do not want to miss it. We have our next training session coming up. I believe it's the second, it's the second um, Thursday of April where we're learning about how to use a, use AI to as a creator. Like what does this look like? I know that there's a lot of people talking about it, but having this deep dive is gonna give us really specific intentional actions of things that we can do to speed up our process, create better content, and hopefully use that information to increase our discoverability and do different things. So you are not going to want to miss that. Head over to our show notes and check out our, our mastermind women, a video dot uscreen.io for those of you listening that want to like type it into your phone right now. Um, that's where you can sign up. We have a free seven day trial that you can join so that you can check out. And of course we have weekly office hours so problems, concerns, things you need to work through in there. We can do channel reviews, content reviews, questions about life and business and stuff like that all happens in there. And I also try to have a theme and lead you through something during those office hours as well. Uh, we have bi-monthly training sessions. We also have courses in there as well as our private community, asking questions, giving information, sharing all of the things. So, um, definitely head over womenofvideo.uscreen.io to sign up now. I'd love to have you in there. Okay. So on the podcast today, I'm talking with Joanna Voss, who is a independent talent agent representing women creators very specifically. And she and I really dove into a lot of things, a little bit longer episode, but worth every, every minute of listening where we talk about the do's and don'ts of like how to be a better creator, what you need to do, how to make this work for you. Like all of the nitty gritty details that go into getting represented, being represented, what it looks like, money making opportunities, how it works, the whole relationship. It's all of the things. So this is going to be a killer episode for you. If you've ever been trying to figure out how to like 10 X your income, um, by having representation because if all you have to do is create and someone else finds you the, the paid money gigs, like it's a sweet place to be. So without further ado, here is that interview. I am very excited to talk with you, Joanna, because we have like lots of layers, I think, to this episode that we have ahead for us. Plus we did a whole lot of like off recording chatting and I'm already feel like you and I are homies. So welcome <laughs> to the pod. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Thanks for having me. So as always, why video? Oh, because it just, I have to admit, it is not my go-to form of communication or like, you know, creation, but you get expression, you get personality, you can, I, 
it's like you're almost sitting across from the person at, you know, a coffee chat. Like I talk with my hands. I'm very expressive with my face. That does not come across in a blog post or necessarily like an Instagram post. Um, so video is just like kind of transcends a little bit of that boundary that we have as we sit in our homes and just, you know, the way different ways we consume content. And it helps you, I think, just like connect a smidge more because of all that's happening like right here. You mean this overly? This thing that we have. Yes, me. Oh my gosh, what are you talking about? <laughs> the hands and the whole thing. I swear it was Italian in another life. I just do this all the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I always <laughs> say I'm like Latina in spirit because I'm just like very expressive and same thing, like talking with my hands. And I always tell people I went to school for animation and like so I, I want to be animated for Disney, and I had an acting class we had to take, and like we would literally have like as part of our exercises, like we'd sit in front of a mirror and just make overly exaggerated faces at ourselves because we needed to be our own reference material for like when we were drawing or animating oh. things. So when I make it, so the problem from that is that you always know how I feel now. Like there's wow. no filter in this face. Like I, I'm like a walking meme gaff. I'm like, you know, you just kind of know, Ooh. Or oh, like, it's just overly expressive. Like my face muscles are pushed to the max. That's why my, uh, it's probably why all of my thumbnails are just like extreme caricature versions of myself. <laughs> and I, and I, I love that about video too. Cause, and, and that's one of the things like, like I love the layers that we can do as creators where it's like, we can have our nice controlled, perfectly curated, like well-grammared proper spelling, like Facebook, Instagram posts. And then we have like our Instagram stories, which was little snapshots. When we have like these long form YouTube videos where it's like, we're talking, we're sharing, we're doing, we have all the things flying in on the screen to support it. And then we have like this video pod where it's conversations, where it's literally like we're sitting on a couch together mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. a tea and all of the, all of the tea spilling oh, yeah. causing all of the, the body involvement. So Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm a Pisces, so I'm super expressive and emotional. So I have like two mm-hmm. of those things just dissecting and like, I just live in that space. But like I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of a couple Instagram reels that I've done speaking from the perspective of a talent manager, uh, sharing just some, you know, emails that I've received from brands on behalf of my talent. And, you know, you can just do funny little, like, Oh, like, you know, like funny little, like, okay, this is, instead of being like, this is what I, you know, this is what the brand said. Do do," you could read it and then be like, "Ah, okay. You know? So like, you can't do that. I can't be like that. I'll say snarky for lack of a better word. Like it doesn't come through as much in the word, but Mm -hmm. in the video, it's like, you can just be funny and like have a little bit more personality kind of like ooze into the screen. And I think that that's really important. Like I know I went through a period of time where I would script my videos and you just really kind of like, you can kind of see the noticeable, like, like the rest of my face. Like I become like a news anchor tonight on women of video. We were talking (laughs) about, right and it just becomes a little much so I had to switch to this like pivoted practiced like bullet point situation and go on the random tangent situation and not be overly edited because it just wasn't connecting as well I think that's important so on this I think Mm -hmm. that's a great segue because you you just give a little sneak peek with what you said what do you do in regards to the world of video Joanna Oh, in regards to the world of video, totally yeah. not the question well, I thought you were going to ask. Yeah. That. What brings you to this podcast today? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I am a talent manager for social media influencers. 
My clients are all women who are on the internet, mostly women of color. And I do all the brand negotiations for them. So anytime a brand reaches out, any sort of inquiry, like, what are you interested in? What's your budget? What's the scope? All the way through to getting the agreement, getting the brief, and handing it over to my client to then go create the content. So my role with video is that I have a lot of expertise in this space. Like, I know, I know a lot of things in general, but in this space, I really know a lot of things about how to negotiate with a brand, how to talk to a brand, how to get a, you know, a no to a yes, how to upsell, how to get you know, an offer of 3000 to make it 10000 And so when I realized kind of the seat at the table that I have, because you've got brands, you've got influencers, a lot of content around influencer marketing is from the perspective of influencers. Here's what it's like working with a brand. Here's how I got this partnership. And then from, from the perspective of the agencies, where it's like, you know, here's the five things that agencies look for. There's me also at the table as a talent manager. And our perspective is very often, I don't even want to say overlooked, which is not included, right? Like people forget that we exist in this conversation. And there's a lot more of us every single day. And so I started doing video and creating content to educate, to share, to inspire, to give a little peek, to give a little perspective, um, just to kind of keep things real. Um, you know, when, when influencers are like, oh, well, once I get big, I won't have any more like, you know, crappy free gifting offers. And I'm like, oh, no, you will. Let me tell you like the three that I got today of, you know, what they wanted and how much they wanted it and how quickly they wanted it, and how needy they were about it. So I've, yeah, I've turned a video to help like tell those stories and just kind of share a little bit about my day to day. I love that. And I, I love that you're not only helping people be creators and what they do, but you're also like having like, this is my perspective of what I've seen. This is what's going on. This mm -hmm. is trying, this is what's happening from like your content perspective, like being able to share. Like, I think one of the biggest issues in the influencer marketing world right now is that brands, people, organizations, especially like agencies and like influencer hubs, like like the ones that are like, we go connect, we connect brands to talent kind of a thing, like mm -hmm. those big ones. And we use data, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. Like I went to the um, Creator Economy Live event and it was a ton of that. And every single time yep. I went to all of them, I was like, what are you guys doing to teach creators how to be better creators so they can be more marketable brands? And they were like, huh, I haven't thought about that. Mm -hmm. We're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, don't you think that like – like having 3 million followers, it does not mean that they're a good like creator for brands. Like numbers right. don't equal influence. <laughs> numbers equal you did something that they liked one time and they followed you. It doesn't mean anything about community or depth or other contact stuff. Right. And so it's kind of one of those things. It's like, why are, why, what, huh? Like, so I think that, that, that's big. So I love that you are doing that. Like, you are helping people, you're helping creators, especially women creators, which you know are my favorite, uh, like figure out what they need to do to get where they need to go. So, on that, what do you think are like the three things that women creators are doing wrong? right now like the most like this is not working stop it like if you could have a conversation with yeah them, what would that be yeah so the three things that i see that i would love to help fix with creators is 
looking at this, right, this world of influencer marketing, like everything that kind of happens through here, looking at it, they need to understand you are a business, you are a brand, you need to like, tighten up what that is, figure out, like, who are you not just like, Oh, I'm Joanna, I live in Denver. No, no, no. What is my lane? Like on the internet, my lane is talent management and brand negotiation. Do I know things about running and skate skiing and being sporty and reading? Sure. But I don't talk about that on my feed because that's not the area of expertise that people come to me for. And like, that's not like when I present myself out in the world, they're like, oh, talent manager or like someone who can help us as an influencer. Great. Go to Joanna. So I just see people come to me, like to your point, they maybe had one or two videos go viral and they're like, now all of a sudden they have whatever amount of followers. And, but their feed, I'm like, oh my God, like what is happening here? Like, I can't even scroll through it because it's just, you know, they don't understand that there's, you can put a cover photo on a reel or um, don't have pictures of your cat or your kid. If you're talking about something that is not related to being a pet influencer or a parenting influencer. And so looking at it all through that lens of like, this is a business because brands and agencies are going to take. 0.2 seconds to do a quick scroll and be like, oh yeah, no, we're out. Right. You got to like have a cohesive brand. So okay. that's the first one. Noted. Sec- yep. Second one is to have the mindset kind of continuing on that of this is a business. So you need to make all the decisions about content, how you show up for it as a business. It's this, you know, again, this, this internet world, this digital marketing world, however you, you know, play in it, whatever, however you, you know, hang out in the space. It is no different than starting a business of a hairdresser, a law firm, anything brick and mortar, um, mental health counselor, anything that's starting a business in terms of how you do that, how you commit to it, how you carve out time, how you invest money, how you invest time and energy. And it takes a long time before it gets up and running and you start making money and seeing a return on that investment. It's the same for the space, but I think because everyone has a smartphone with a really good camera, we've all got internet everywhere, that it has sort of, in good ways, taking on some barriers for entry because it enables people to maybe earn some additional income on the side, or if you are at home, you can, you know, earn an income. But simultaneously, I think then people think it's easy. And so they'll do one or two viral videos and be like, I'm ready to be an influencer. And I'm like, but in what? Like, what's your area of influence? What's your area of expertise? Um, so that's the second one. It's just that mindset of understanding that you have to treat this like a proper business and and marry it and give it time. Um, like, actually commit time to investing and making a financial investment in it. Uh-huh. Be it hiring someone to help you or get, I mean, you know, get good equipment, you know, investing in courses to learn how to do this. And then number three what I think number three would be. I know what it should be. I know what it is. Okay. Well, you say yours and I, I got one. So I'll say mine after. All right. My thought is you're undercharging. Okay. Mine was money too. Yeah. <laughs> the, the third thing was, was just that is like, I hear this, I hear this all the time. Oh, women are not good at negotiating. Women are not good with money. Honestly, I think that's a load of baloney. Um, most women manage household budgets. Most women do the majority of the household purchasing for their families, their homes, like whatever that looks like. Um, and women are great negotiators, be it 
you want something for your birthday, you want to go in a particular spot for a date or a vacation with another family. So it's negotiating this conversation and questions. And we do it all the time in all the facets of our life. And then I think there's this idea that is taught of like, oh, women are not good at negotiating. So then when it comes to money, we're like, oh, oh, and like freak out. When in reality, I think we take a lot of those other skills where we negotiate well and show up in this space when it be it, you know, negotiating for a, with a brand or an, uh, an additional salary because you've taken on more work or whatever the case may be. Like, know that you're good at it. Know that you're good at it here and you're good at whatever it is that you're negotiating for. Um, I just tell people practice, practice in situations that are not like this heated moment of like, oh my God, I'm asking a brand for $10,000. And like, I get it. That's, that may be a big thing for you. Totally understand. Um, but you know, you go out to a restaurant, I'm always like with the bartender, Hey, um, I got friends in town and we're celebrating a new job. Like any chance we can get free drinks on the house or can we get free apps? Like, I'm constantly asking for things literally just to practice flexing that muscle. And I do this all the time. Like I love asking for lots of money. I want to go shopping with you and I, I want to go party <laughs> with you. Like that's the, here. Okay. Yeah. Like that's a confident, like that I think comes down to like confidence and understanding your value and worth. And I am awesome at building other people up. And I, I will struggle. Like you guys hear me every week up in these parts. Like I'm like, get it together, <laughs> know your worth, do stuff. And sometimes I'm like, I just want you to pay me money because I have to pay yeah. my children, you know? And so it's just like, it can be really hard to know like what your value is and what your worth is, but it, you can do some, now granted, I think there are still some necessary milestones and things that you need to have in place before you can start asking for $10,000 video deals and, and yes. $1,000 video deals and stuff like that. Um, and understanding like your, like the brand and what they're about. They're, they're all, there's all these things. Like I'm actually taking the brand wizard course right now. That's like, um, it's about like sponsorship deals, like how to market yourself better, ask for money, like all of that mm -hmm. stuff. <clears throat> and it's been really insightful about that. I also had a moment. I had a whole moment where I was like, Girl, this is why. This is why you and other women are totally undervaluing yourself. So if I had a competitor, I don't even think they're competitor. Like we're just like tangent side by side. It is mm – -hmm. I'm not even going to say their name because I don't want to cause problems. They're, they're a very popular creator podcast. And I wanted to connect one of my new – friends that I met at the women in influencer marketing event in New York. Um, should they do creator insurance? And I was like, this is a great brand. Like, I'm like, I want to oh, help yeah. them because they're just trying to figure this out. Of course, like we're talking about doing stuff with women in video and all that stuff, but I'm like, these guys have a, have a better, a bigger reach than me in the creator space. I want to help her succeed. Um, so I'm going to connect them and I, I connect them to their sponsorship coordinator and all this stuff. Y'all, when I say my jaw hit them, floor when I got included in like the pricing sponsorship, it would be an understatement. They are charging $7,000 for a one email feature in their tri thrice weekly email that they send. And they had, I think it was like 50,000 people on their email list, a 46% open rate, which is not bad, but when we're doing the math, it takes it down to like, oh, only like 26,000 people yeah. are opening this email. And or, then they yeah, only 30, have a one, a one, I think it was like a click 1% through? click through rate for their sponsors ads. And I'm like, that's 250 people. 
for $7,000. Potentially 250 people who would click on their ad. That doesn't even count conversions. And then when I followed up and asked, okay, do you have case studies with your partners that talk about like what their success rates and conversions are? And they're like, oh no, we don't disclose that information. I was like, so wait a second. I'm supposed to just give you $7,000 for one email for 250 people to potentially, potentially click on a link, an advertisement link in your podcast. And there's no proof of conversion. You mm -hmm. have to be out of your ever loving mind. And then in my mind, I'm like, I just want people to pay me like 1500 bucks a month for two videos, at like for a six month contract. And that's only, okay, well, you're also undercharging. I know I do. I, and I totally said like, I'm like, I'm just, and like, I'm doing all of this stuff and then they can use it and they have usage rates and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I am doing everything wrong. And so it's like, it's, and like, I went through their media kit and their media kit is just all fluff and stuff. I'm like, where's the proof in the case study like that is how advertising works and it just was not or even it. just like, like screenshots of some click throughs like you don't have to reveal all the goods but like you don't have to reveal who the brand is like, i yeah. you don't have to reveal who the brand is i know it's a creator focused <laughs> brand i'm like what the actual f is going on and so i'm like i'm doing this all wrong like and so i'm like that's why i was like diving into this brand wizard course I'm like what am I doing wrong how do I fix this how do I market myself better like what are the words I got to say to make these deals happen because I was just flabbergasted especially because too some of the brands that they work with are brands I have been pursuing that told me no and it was like f that <laughs> so it's just kind of one of those like things it's like mm -hmm. ah! and so this is where it's like when it comes to <clears throat> like this is why this is why Female creators make 56 cents on the dollar compared to men, create male creators. Like we already knew that women made less from like a corporate mm -hmm. standpoint. Like we're talking 87%, 87 cents on the dollar in the corporate. And I think it's like 82 cents for women of color. For white women, yeah. You know, for you know, women of color. And so it's just one of those things that's like 56 cents. And there's more women influencers who are talking to other women who have the vast majority of buying power. I don't I understand. So when I tell you ladies listening, charge more money, I flip and mean it. <laughs> Look, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but did you know that YouTube is the world's second biggest search engine? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but that's why every creator truly needs to be using vidIQ to grow their YouTube channel. vidIQ's tech helps you tailor your video ideas to match what people are searching for right now on YouTube. And once you're ready to upload, well, it starts optimizing and getting you all the details that you need to make sure your videos are getting noticed. If you really wanna dive in more and get started for free, please head over to thewomenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ to get started on this YouTube channel changing tool that's going to make things so much easier for you. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, I will say the one upside of that experience for you is you're not going to forget it, right? You're never going to undercharge now no, because not. you have that story. Like I, I had at least one or two talent that I work with who came to me because they found out how much they were undercharging and they were like, oh my God, sweet Jesus. Like I, I, this is embarrassing this is also just like not right like all of the adjectives you want to add in there and that's what drove them to reach out to me to be like I need your help because I just I know how much money I'm leaving on the table we're talking like tens of thousands of dollars um but like that moment will that you had will 
stick with you, you will obviously continue to share it and talk about it. Um, and I hope that other people don't have that moment because it is a reckoning, but also simultaneously, let, my, mo- to be let like- my moment be yeah. your moment, please. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. Yes. So we've done these things wrong or we're doing these things wrong. What can we do to be better creators so that we are more marketable for brands and or more marketable for talent agents to represent us? Yeah. So us talent agents work off a of commission, meaning we need our clients earning money before we say yes to partnering with them. Like there's, there's no way around the math on that, right? The math doesn't really math if you haven't done brand partnerships before, or if you're earning, you know, if you've earned 30K in the past year, which is awesome, fantastic first step. I look for my talent to be at or around 100K. I am flexible on that, but that's just more or less the number that I look for because it means not only is there opportunity to earn commission, but it also more importantly to me is that you're on the brand's radar, right? So they know about you, you're in their databases, you've worked with people, you have relationships. Those people move to another agency, they bring you with them because they loved working with you. Those are relationships that I can build off of and reach out to and remind them about you because guaranteed like no one follows up um, after they do a partnership. So that's what I look for. And that's what most talent managers look for is some sort of uh, income already. Some talent managers look for it off of number of followers. Uh, but to your point earlier, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an influencer or that you've done brand partnerships. To be a better creator, um, honestly, what I said before about tightening up the brand and recognizing that you are a brand and you have to, um, just because you did something fun over the weekend with your kids, you went to some pumpkin patch, but that doesn't fit your feed. If your business and your brand and your online presence is business, right? Either you earn money from it or you want to earn money from it. You have to run everything through that business lens. Like you want to do personal stuff about your kids and your cat and your dog and whatever, or your like random home projects. Great. Create a whole nother personal account that's private. That is not where that, you know, that's where that content goes, but just be, you have to just be so tight on everything. That business filter, like, is this serving my community? How is this serving my community? Is it on brand? Is it professional? Is this something that I am proud of? Is this, you know, you have to look at it through the eyes of um, not you personally, but you as the brand. Okay, I'm seeing this content go out. Is this actually my best work? Is this something that I would want a brand to reshare and have out there? Am I proud of it? it? Is it my best work with writing, photography, video editing, whatever the case may be? Um, really just pushing yourself to be as professional and like the best content that you can do because there's so much noise in this space and brands are having to sift through so much talent to find creators for their projects. So answer the questions that they're looking for when they're searching for talent. Like why you, how do you rise above? What's your personal story? I'm hearing that a lot from brands because there's so much, you know, noise and like everyone creates beauty at tacos, right? So like, why are yours the best? Oh, well, maybe you have some personal story and connection versus here's my taco recipe. It's so great. Love it. So easy to make. Okay. Well, that's no different from the next person. So weave that personal story in there. <clears throat> Doesn't have to be this whole like, well, the day I was born, blah, 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 blah. But like have that personal connection and give that, you know, color and flavor and variety and creativity to your content so that it does rise up both in its quality and you know, just as someone scrolling that it it catches their eye and they, you know, are hooked and read a little bit and like feel connected to you. Um, Yeah. 
that's what I think people need to do to be better creators and to catch brands' attention. At least for now in 2023, that's what I'm seeing. So what do we do as creators to trans, like while we're in like growth transition phase, like, like with a goal being, I want to work with a talent manager like Joanna Mm -hmm. or like, what, what does that look like? What does that, I mean, of course we're going to send everyone to you. Um, Like, what does that, like, what does that look like? What do you want to see as a talent manager? Like what experience, obviously we talked about like a focused brand portfolio like very clear who you are what you're about but also like what are the other things that we kind of want to like know and 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 have in place to show marketability so that like we can all make money better because i know one of the things that i struggle with as a creator is i i have a creator business to support my business like as a part like my i have a business creator just became a part of that business like i've been a social media marketer since 2009 and I started becoming a YouTuber in 2017 because I moved to Korea and had no way to get leads anymore because I couldn't go to in-person events and network on stuff like that. And I also had two small kids. And so it was like being on YouTube made sense because I could use the algorithm and this search focus strategy to get people in. So like mm-hmm. I had a business and it's support and it's built these other things. Like I've talked and I talk about that in my how much money I made episode. Um, like there's all, like because of a creator, more opportunities have come to me. And so I've been positioned as this military spouse, this small entrepreneur, a, a woman whose husband is in the service and has PTSD and how she deals with that. And, and then in social media marketing and like, and, and women advocate, like I have this like cohesive brand around social media marketing and, and um, being a creator, but finding sponsors is so <laughs> me and frustrating and stressful and like I don't know yeah. what to ask for. I don't always know what to say. I don't know what to present. I don't know what to offer. Like I'm an idea machine. I can make great stuff, but it's all of the other things and like it's time consuming because I'm running my agency. I'm doing my job. I'm mothering and wifing and all of that. <laughs> so it's like I would really love a talent agent manager. Mm-hmm. Yes, it cost me 20, 25% of what I earn, but that's 75% of income I did not have before. So it's yep. like, how do I, like, so I feel like there is so much validity that, 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 that is someone's job, but what do I need to show you and do to, to, for you to take me on? And I'm saying is uh, the real me, yeah, the me, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, the you, the me, the you, yes. The third person, um, whatever. <laughs> so for creators that are looking to build up their portfolio, to have more brand partnerships, to have more experience under their belt, to earn more money, to be at a place, to have a talent manager, couple things. One, I would Google influencer platforms. There is a lot out there. Um, there are a lot out there. There are a lot out there. Things like um, Captivate, Isaiah, they're constantly, well, maybe six to nine months, they are sometimes changing because one platform will buy out another. But I would Google influencer platforms Make If you do not already have a profile, create a profile, you're going to link your social media accounts, um, you know, have a little bio about yourself, depending on the platform, you can put in like, you know, check off little boxes about like, I have kids or a dog, or this is where I live, or I'm gluten free or whatever. Um, that is one way to start to get on brands radars. If you are not doing any partnerships, or you want to do more, those are databases that brands search. Now, a lot of times they have their own internal ones, or there's some that they have to pay a lot of money for that you can't just create a profile in. But 
a lot of times brands will go through databases and just put in what their parameters are of like, okay, I'm looking for a military mom who lives in Dallas, who is, who has twins and is gluten-free and bakes or whatever, like random, you know, parameters the brand has. So getting in those databases, getting on those platforms, I would also, maybe you build out a list of like 20 brands, 30 brands, or maybe just 20, or maybe it's 10, whatever you have the bandwidth for and flirt with them reach out to them, slide into their DMs, ask if they are doing, you know, influencer partnerships, who the correct person is to contact because you would love to, you know, toss your hat in the ring, so to speak. Um, using LinkedIn and Google is our free, free resources that we all have at our fingertips. And I don't think they're used enough for people to track down, you know, whatever the brand is that you want to work with on that list of 20 influencer program, you know, Google influencer agency, you know, food influencer agency, household goods, um, travel influencer agencies, and you'll start to find some of the same agency names pop up, reach out to them, you know, reach out to their info at whatever it is account and ask, you know, who is the point person for these four clients that you see on their website, or you understand that they are the agency of record for these four, you know, travel brands that you're interested in working with. Can you be connected? Can your email be forwarded to that person? Um, it is, a lot of hustle. It's a lot of outreach. It's a lot of putting yourself out there just as it is with any other brand. Again, you're building a clientele of hairdressers or influencer partners. You got to just hustle and put your name out there. Um, but in order to not drive yourself crazy, I would just pick that list of, you know, 20 work that list for three months, right? Do multiple rounds of outreach, at least three rounds of outreach, you know, an initial one, another follow-up, and then another follow-up a couple, maybe like a month later, um, have your media kit, like have all your stuff tight and ready to go, have examples of past partners or just examples of um, even if they weren't paid, but maybe they were gifting or trade partnerships. That's okay. You can share those ones as well. And if you're not even at that level yet, show your best work so far, flirt with the brands on social comment on their stuff, tag their stuff, mention them on Instagram stories. Um, you know, ultimately you want to get brand Mary, right. Which is like doing a partnership with them. So all the things that have to happen ahead of time that happen in the real world with like dating and relationships and all that, like replicate that literally flirt with them, go on dates, like slide in their, you know, slide in their DMS, comment on their stuff, share their stuff, tag them in brands, like just kind of pop up and be flirty to start to get on the radar and make those connections while simultaneously reaching out to see if you can get a contact name of someone who, um, you know, has worked with them. Join influencer Facebook groups and ask for, hey, I'm looking for a contact name for this person. Has anyone worked with them and is willing to share? I totally get it that people are very scarcity mindset and don't like sharing contact information. I understand that happens. There are also a lot of people out there who are open to sharing. And there are groups that are a lot more abundant mindset. And like, just because I share an email name with you doesn't mean it takes away an opportunity for me, but ask colleagues and peers of yours, or maybe go to the brand and see what photos they're tagged in and what influencers they've worked with, you know, kind of like reverse engineer it, reach out to those people and ask if they would be willing to talk to you for a few minutes. Hey, I'm interested in partnering with this brand. What was your experience like? And then maybe at the end, are you able to share like what agency you worked with? Even if they're not going to share an, in, you know, an email name, but maybe you can get an agency name that you work with. My point here is you have to go after it. You cannot sit there 
right? And wait for it to come because you know that you'll be sitting there for the rest of your life. I, I, so many, like, I feel like I need to take like all of these points and turn them into like videos for the gram for, for reels and stuff because it was <laughs> all so necessary and so helpful. So, what are your thoughts on working with creators who are not at $10,000 because maybe they don't have time or don't have contacts or can't get through. I know one of the things that I've been struggling with, and I ran into this very specifically with our virtual, our in-person conference we were trying to do. And we had to change to a virtual event because of ghosting and people just not connecting and reaching. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it's like, if someone knew someone, it made it so much easier to get in front of someone and do all of the things, right? So like, what are the, when like, cause influencer marketing is so mainstream and popular now and, and the creators are trying to get in front of brand sponsors. We just can't because we can't reach the people. Even if we have LinkedIn premium and are doing all the things we're supposed to do and customizing messaging and trying to get people, they're just not responding. So we would need someone like you who already has the contacts that can reach and be like, Hey, I have a person for you. What are your thoughts on working with smaller creators or what smaller creators can do to work with town agents to get to some financial markers that they'd like to get to? I am not opposed to working with smaller size influencers. Um, I think people assume because they're smaller size influencers, they're not making as much money. And that is not true. The first few influencers that I took on um, that I'm mostly still with are, I think they had like 19,000, which granted at the time I thought was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, this was also like five or six years ago. They're making a hundred K. They're making six figures with that amount of money. I understand, or sorry, with that amount of following. I may, I understand that may not be the case now because the world has changed. There's lots of different things from then to now. But my point here is just because it's a smaller size following doesn't translate to smaller dollars. Um, their partnerships may be, smaller budgets, but they may be able to get more of them because a lot of times there's greater engagement on the smaller following versus the big, you know, 100,000 or even bigger, you know, size following. Um, the thing that's tricky and why we work off commission is like, I'm not going to take on someone who maybe has a smaller size following and maybe has done 30,000 or 40,000. Kind of what I was going back to before of not being on the brand's radar. And I don't pitch like there's a lot of there's agencies out there. Sorry, there's talent managers out there that do pitch and do that outreach it is thankless it is a slow sales cycle and a lot of times right as we're recording this it's march brands are already sourcing talent and building out campaigns for september wow. so i'm trying to get um you know maybe i'm sharing your name and i'm putting you know your name on the radar that i want a brand to work with but they're like okay cool thanks we'll be in touch and maybe six seven months down the road that's my time that I'm not getting paid on. So a lot of talent managers actually that I know that we're pitching have stopped pitching because it is exhausting if that is what you're doing. And it's just, I'm just, I'm, it's like, I can spend hours doing it and I only get paid on commissions. You know, I only get paid on projects that come to fruition that I manage across yeah. the finish line. Um, so I hear you that it's exhausting and all that, but simultaneously an agent's not going to take that on because we'd be doing it for free. Or the retainer to cover our time would be so would be so big that it's like going to be cost prohibitive for a creator that you know has a smaller following that's like I'm not prepared to pay you know a few thousand dollars to have that retainer to cover the time because you'd be looking at it also for an extended period of time. Now, don't get me wrong; 
is all pitching just thankless and like never comes to fruition? No. But if you pitch a hundred pitches, how many you're getting, you know, people respond back to how many people have changed agencies. So now you're tracking down a new contact information. Um, of those hundred, there are absolutely some that are bites that come into a project, but it's just, this is my business, right? Like I have to have a viable business. And so I can't be spending hours of the day doing things that I'm not getting compensated for if there's no end in sight for that versus my creators. Like sure, 85 to 90% of what comes in, I say no to, but the other 10% that we get to say yes to is financially like lucrative and makes sense for me. And it's kind of like back pay on all the other stuff. So the math kind of works out. But if you're taking on a creator who just hasn't had that experience or isn't able to pull in those sort of rates, um, it's, it's a lot of unpaid labor. I think it's really respectful. And I think that I'm not asking because I want you to like take us all in. It's very much more of like a, so we know why not and why the answer sometimes is no. And it's not personal. It's just, you're not there yet. It's kind of like, you're not like, it's never personal. You want to think of it like a business. Like you have to think of like working with a talent agent is like when you get a promotion, you have an assistant. Like when you're starting out at a job, like you're, you're working hard, you're doing the long hours, you're proving yourself and the pay is kind of mediocre at best. And so you have to move up and prove your worth and your value and your focus and get better, get more experience, get your knees dirty, all of the things that, you know, all the cliche words you're supposed to say. Then you read <laughs> some sort of like upgrades, some promotions, if you will, that give you more perks and benefits. And one of them is having someone that can shop mm-hmm. your for you because then you can focus more on creating better content. And yeah, hopefully you'll get to a point where you're just like, I have sponsorships scheduled out for six months. Like I got to like turn and burn. Well, um, we have a, uh, we had a guest on our podcast um, and she's part of the community. Her name is Gabby and she does hair stuff. Um, and she's not, and she works with a talent agent. In fact, they're, they've done a, uh, one of our monthly sessions that we're doing on March 30th. I'm pretty sure this podcast comes out after that one. Um, you can go catch it in women, the video mastermind, the recording, but um, it was all about like the beauty influencer market, like what you need to know, how you get in there, like what you do to work with talent. And they're kind of using, not using like their, the benefit of like partnering with us is that they can like call for people. But Gabby introduced James to me over I am social and like, she just has sponsorship deals like two videos a week. And she's just like, there are some times where I just can't keep up. It feels like I can't keep up. Mm-hmm. But when you have the right audience and the right focus and the right like niche focus and you and the potential and someone like takes you on and does this stuff for you, like the earning potentials are amazing. You just have to get there. And yeah. part of that comes and from I think- focusing on being a better creator first because she did a lot of that groundwork before he could take her on. Yeah. And I mean, again, like what I was saying before that everyone having one of these is it has reduced the barrier to entry, which is great, but simultaneously it has made it seem easy. And like I was saying before, what we were talking about, this is no different than starting any other business. You have to invest, you have to commit the time. You know, I'll use the example of Gabby with a hairdresser. Like they do a lot of free cuts to practice what they've learned in school and they don't get out of school and charge probably whatever she's charging right now because you don't have the experience and the understanding and just literally like the 10,000 hours in the chair. That's what you have to do your, you know, influencer version of 
to get to the next level. Like I, it is just a matter, not just like, oh, it's a matter of time, but putting the work in over time to get better at it, to dial in your processes. Um, you know, I had someone that I was talking to a little while ago who had great engagement, great following, fun content, need to be like tightened up a little bit. But, and in theory, she'd be a phenomenal creator, but she'd never done a paid, she'd done very minimal paid partners before. Um, and it wasn't actually content that she created. It was a little bit more on like the sort of modeling and like, she just kind of like show up and like the content was created and it wasn't necessarily on her platform. Mm-hmm. For me, that's a lot of handholding to not understand. Okay. So like my creators now, the ones that I have in my roster, I can say to them, okay, your scope of work is, you know, these four things. These are the due dates, brief is in Dropbox, content messaging, do's and don'ts in Dropbox. Great. Go. They can take all that. And they know exactly what to do with it. They know exactly what the final products need to look like how to get them to me so that I can then turn around and get them to the brand. If a creator doesn't have that experience, it's like, it's so much handholding to understand how to take, you know, how to take the pictures, like what brands want, what is lifestyle? What is the over the shoulder shot versus like, you know, all the different things that are in the brief. And sometimes those are very exhaustively long briefs. I'm not here to show you and walk you through how to do all that. Like I need to have a creator come on who's already got that dialed in. So to like your point with Gabby, they can get a project and she's like, boom, boom, boom. She's got her team in place and can execute and be super seamless and efficient to turn it around so that she just focuses on the content. Mm -hmm. So sorry to interrupt our episode. I know we're getting really into it, but are you looking for a powerful, easy to use tool that can help you take your video to the next level? If so, I've got just the tool for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one solution for all of your content creation needs. With Adobe Express, you can easily create stunning videos, design eye-catching thumbnails, clip and trim your videos with ease, and schedule your content for social media. One of the standout features of Adobe Express is the range of thumbnail templates that are available. With dozens of customizable templates to choose from, you can create thumbnails that are both visually appealing, informative, and help your videos stand out on that crowded home feed of YouTube. And when it comes to video clipping, it makes it so much easier to repurpose your content from those long-form videos to all of the other vertical video platforms, and you can easily share them with a scheduling tool within Adobe Express. So if you're ready to take your content creation to the next level, head over to Adobe Express and start your free trial today. You can find the link to get signed up for today over in our show notes at womenofvideo.com. And remember, Adobe Express is the perfect tool for taking your content to the next episode. All right, back to the episode. Like I said, it like what you said, like everything, like this is just such good, valuable information that we all need so we know what to do. I think it's huge. So to to as we kind of wind down to the end of our episode, I would love to know what are some like your three like do's and don'ts for reaching out to brands to work with mm. so that we can make sure that while we're building up and becoming worthy of you. What is it that we need to do to have success in this? So, okay. What were you crushing on? Three things that to reach out to brands? Yes. Like our three do's and don'ts for reaching out to brands. Like what do we need to do? What do we need to not do? Okay. So one, do not verbal diarrhea all over them. Meaning do not message them on Insta. If you get their email, 
or on LinkedIn, wherever the case may be, do not literally just say everything in your head about you, your brand, all about you, 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 a massively long email and tell them why you're the best brand partner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These brands and agencies get pitched tens, hundreds, thousands a day. I kid you not. So they get all these pitches of everyone saying that they are the best person. So don't word vomit all over them. Keep it short, concise, to the point. Um, and you want it to be about, right, not all about you, but all about them. Meaning how you are a great brand partner for them by the audience that you bring to the table. Because I've seen on your last campaign, based on your hashtag, da, 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 that you were looking to get in front of this kind of audience. That's the audience that I have that I can bring to the table for you. That's why I'm a good partner. Not I'm a good partner because I love your product and, you know, I have this many followers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bridge that link between why your audience is exactly the audience that they're looking to get in front of and being able to speak to your audience demographics. So that's number two. The first one is don't word vomit all over them. And the second one is make it about them so they understand why you're a good partner, right? Because they're looking to know, you know, why, why should they hire you? And you're saying to them, it's because this is the audience that you're looking to get in front of. And this is the audience that I have. The third one is do not be afraid to follow up. You send that initial email. Maybe you circle back 10 days later, just checking in, realize I hadn't heard from you, wanted to make sure this wasn't lost in your inbox. If you could confirm receipt, that would be fantastic. And then number three might be a month later, six weeks later, hey, I just wanted to follow up. I did this campaign or I had this experience or I just did this piece of content about such and such brand. Would love to just showcase it for you. Look, it went viral. Look how much engagement I have. I have 732 saves or I have 47 saves, whatever the case may be. But just give them little bits. Here's a podcast I was on when I was actually talking about how much I love your brand. Here's an article that I wrote talking about how much I love your brand. Don't be afraid to follow up at least like you do the initial email and then at least two more follow-ups. So they get like three touches from you. It's okay to follow up six months later for touch number four, because maybe you did another piece of content. I have had brands and agencies message me back on emails from like four months ago. And I could see all my follow-ups in there writing to me as if I just wrote them. So I know my emails sit there, even if they're not getting back to me. And I see all my follow-ups and that is okay because I'm just staying top of mind. And then there's that one time when I slide into their inbox and they're like, oh, Joanna, yes, okay, perfect. I was actually just looking for Latina talent. I'm going to message her back. So follow up, don't word soup, keep it concise. And then also be clear about what you bring to the table to elevate their brand. Is there any other like nuanced things that like we're missing here? Like we need to have con like, mm -hmm. like from contracts or anything. Is it really just like right now, let's just focus on getting the brand deals and then we can work through paperwork later. Or is there any, yeah, because that's, like, that's like four other episodes. <laughs> talking okay. about agreements. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would, I would just say like, rinse, lather, repeat. It's not rocket science, you know? pick those 20 brands or 10 or whatever you can handle and just block it off for three months and just focus on that. I've had people like start to go down that. They'll be like, Oh, I emailed seven and then I never heard back. So I just stopped. Trust me. It's thankless. You're not going to hear back. You just have to be relentless and to be resilient to keep going because everyone's going to get turned off after doing five or six because it's very hard and you don't necessarily hear back and you don't get a return on that investment. 
keep going. Those are the people that are going to get those contracts that are going to start to like rise up, but it's only after a matter of time and being consistent with your outreach. Um, to your, you asked me something earlier when we were talking about sort of that bridge between not quite ready for talent management, but perhaps not quite desiring to do all the pitching because maybe you have other areas of your business. Mm -hmm. Hire a virtual assistant to do the work for you for whatever virtual assistants get paid these hours uh, or, you know, paid per hour these days, but hire someone to maybe just go do that Google research for you and to bring you back a list, a spreadsheet that you then just do the pitching or you write the email and they send it from your inbox. That could be a stepping stone to get you to the next level. If going, you know, reaching for the talent management is a little bit, you know, too much of a stretch right now, but if you're, you know, again, this is about investing in your business. And I've seen people do that is make that investment in the virtual assistant, mm-hmm. like literally even five hours a week. doesn't have to be a lot. Um, just to go do the Google and the LinkedIn research, build out that spreadsheet for you. You know, you write a draft email and maybe even they send it or you send the email, but perhaps that little in-between step could be hiring a executive, a virtual assistant to help you with it. I love that. Well, you've given us so much to think about and figure out and work on. And I know that all of us are going to re-listen and take all the notes and of course, reach out to you over on LinkedIn, I'm guessing, is a great place to connect with you. Instagram, perfect. We'll have the link to Instagram over in our show notes. Thank you so much for all of your like knowledge, Joanna. It's been monumentally helpful. Where can people go follow you on YouTube so they can continue to learn from you? Um, don't hate me. My video is on Insta. I don't hate you. Sorry. Over on Instagram. Where can we okay. go on Instagram that's, to get that's more fine. of that goodness? I'm sorry. I always forget that people like video is not, I can't remember. Like this started as women of YouTube. And so I'm always like, Oh, go to YouTube. But no, where do we go to follow you so that we can get more info from you? Yes. So LinkedIn and Insta are my two places I hang out. It's at Joanna, J O H A N N A V O S S. Perfect. All right. Remember, You and everyone listening are impossibly amazing. Until next week, peace. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. 